This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Jenna Irby, also known as Esthetician Jenna. I am owner of Skin Fit Aesthetics. I am also the co-host of the Charm School Podcast. And in my own business, I use Schedulicity. And the reason I love Schedulicity is because it is so convenient for my clients. The platform and the website is so user-friendly. People can go on there anytime, day or night. When they're off of work, they're unwinding, they're finally in their bed at 8 p.m., ready to schedule their facial service when in traditional work hours, a receptionist would not be there. And they can just pop on the website drink their cocktail, glass of wine while they're watching their favorite TV show and conveniently book their service with me. So that's why I love Schedulicity is just the convenience that it gives myself as well as my clients. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, CEO and founder of Schedulicity, and we're proud to bring you this amazing podcast. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend Tone. What's up, man? What's going on, homie? Nothing, man. I'm a. Uh, I'm pretty uh, honored, excited, and I know we've talked about this before, but you know, just with our uh, with our video release and and just the response that we've gotten um, 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 from it has been pretty redunculous. Yeah, you know, and, and again, you know, continue to share, continue to own it, continue to mm-hmm. to share with your clients, and uh, because it, it's truly the the stylist client relationship. Yep, exactly. And, yeah. uh, you know, we made it for you. We didn't make it for us. So that's right. You know what I mean? So, so own it, own it, use it, whatever. We don't have any IP. So if you like it, you dig it, you know, share it with your clients, share it with other sure. hairdressers, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's your, it's so weird to say it's yours. Cause you know, it's such, it's such a foreign conversation that you don't even, you know, what would you say? You're not selling anything. No, we're not selling anything. You know, it's, it's like, we're not trying to get anything out of it other than, you know, try to have positive vibes and, and stuff for the industry. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And show how important um, our relationships are with our clients. Yeah. You know, so. exactly. That's awesome. So, uh, so today I'm pretty stoked. Um, we just did his podcast a couple of weeks ago, but now he's back, uh, you know, doing us a favor by coming on our podcast. Um, he has a much cooler studio than we have. His so. studio is pretty friggin' dope. You know? <laughs> it's the mob studio. I even like the name of it. it the, the look of it is tight. It is super tight and super good. We'll have to talk about his guitars hanging in the back and everything. Um, you know, he's a rock star, man. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, we need something, right? Yeah, we need some guitars or some, at least a bass or a pair of set of drums on the wall. Studio or envy, <laughs> definitely have studio envy right now. Um, so today our guest is Ryan Whedon. Ryan Whedon is, I guess, we'll kind of get into the official um title, but I guess he's the founder, the creator of Masters of Balayage, um. And he's been busy, man, because uh, there's one thing that this uh, COVID, uh, uh, COVID-19 2020 year has done is, is it's created and it's elevated 
the coaching in our industry like like the those those coaches that that are that are really doing it seem to be a right they're the cream right and they're rising to the top yeah and online education uh is where it's at and um and what's so cool is to see everybody evolve and adapt to to creating this great online education forum yeah, it's pretty cool. And it, it is the shift, right? It's the shift in the industry. I think we saw it happening. I mean, pretty much since Instagram took over, we kind of saw it happening. And, you know, where is this all going to go? And and now that we have like a, a more regular online um, um, presence as an industry, you know, it, it's just it's just obvious. What's cool about online education, it, uh, it allows anybody anywhere, if you can't make it to a big show, if you can't make it to a class, you know, to a city, mm-hmm. you get the same education as everybody else. And so, you know what I mean? Uh, we made this joke. You can always be Justin in Boise, Idaho, right? <laughs> you can be anywhere and be just as skilled and badass as anybody else. That is very, very well said, you know, and the, edu- the education's there for you. Take advantage of it. Boom. You know, boom. I should we bring Ryan in. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Cool. He's uh, <laughs> waiting. I know. Right. Tired of hearing us talk. I know. Talk. Exactly. Although we're talking about him. He might not like mind that so much. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, Mr. Ryan Whedon, welcome to your day off. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate being here. It was so cool having to connect with you about a week ago with my podcast. Yeah, that was cool, man. Thanks for having us on. It, it's so it's I mean, if we can just like live in a podcast world right now, it's just so cool that there's all this information for the industry, um, you know, not just our podcast, but but all the all the podcasts that are out there. Um, I, I just it's a really cool. It's a really good, cool place. Right. Yeah, because I mean, everybody offers something a little different. So you're going to constantly learn and grow with everybody's podcast. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you, and I guess we could all, we probably can all live here is that I can't tell you how many times I learned a one length haircut, but it was somebody that said something to make it click. Right. And and that's kind of how I see all the podcasts is like, no matter what information we're sharing, even if it's the same information, somebody's going to deliver it in a way that speaks to you, yep. you as an individual, you know, and, and I think that that's very, that, that's kind of cool, you know, right. Like, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was saying like Ryan's, Ryan's, um, his studio is speaking to me. <laughs> I should be sitting next to you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, Ryan, we'll get into it, but, but how, why'd you decide to do a podcast? I, I feel like it's just another cool way to get my message out there. And I'm not doing it because I think people want it. I'm doing it because podcasting to me is something that I've been listening to and, and, and really taking part in for years and years. And it's helped develop me as a person, me as a coach, me as an online business. So by having such a, a passion about this form of, of media, I just really want to be part of it. I really enjoyed it. I use it when I'm working out. I don't listen to music. Right. Music doesn't pump me up as much as listening to you guys or listening to Pat Flynn and his smart passive income podcast. And I've been, it just really gets me going. So I want to be able to give that to somebody else. I love that. That's good enough reasoning for me. Yep. You know, so we're going to start this off. Like we start every podcast off. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up on the East coast. I was born in Virginia and lived in Virginia until high school. And then in high school, I, we moved to Maryland. Then after that, I just bounced around like a what? wallflower. Wait, home <laughs> you know we're from Maryland. How come you never, you never connected? So, you know, cause I mean, we're in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we're yeah, yeah. We we, we briefly West. talked about that last time. I think right. it, it might have bitch been in the pre-talk. Yeah, I was born in uh, Woodbridge, Virginia, and then um, unfortunately, my father passed away when I was about thirteen. So we 
Uh, my mother ended up remarrying uh, shortly, you know, a couple years later, and then we moved to Maryland, and I was I lived in Rockville, Rockville, North Potomac, that area. Dang, you're like a homie, man. Yeah, I mean, he's like right <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, our city is in Bethesda. <laughs> right on. I mean, literally, it's Bethesda, Rockville. Exactly. You know, it's crazy. What, did I've you got some that... fond memories of of the East Coast. Well, funny enough, I mean, I don't know if this is whatever, but we actually we met up um, at BTC when it was here in DC last year, and, and we promised that we would do a do a podcast together. So, so we you know we finally kind of happened. I think we met up at Starbucks, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Yeah, I think we actually met up at, on the way to Starbucks, right? We, we caught each other in in passing, and then we're like, "Hey, let's go get a Starbucks." Right? Exactly. We were on our way to Starbucks, something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think was I with Presley? Mm, I don't. Unless you were already there speaking to her, I don't remember yeah. her as part of our conversation. Yeah, that's awesome though. So, so I, did you find hair in Maryland, or or how did you find the hair world? God, no, I didn't find hair in Maryland. I didn't find, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find much. I didn't find hair until later in, into my 20s. Uh, I was in a roundabout way. I was, I've always been a searcher, searching for meaning, searching for purpose, even though I didn't really know that I was doing that. It was just innately part of who I am. So I bounced around from place to place, college to college, career to career. I knew that I wanted to do something in front of people. Right. I wanted to be, uh, well, let's say I used to follow the path of my parents and they didn't they were, you know, pushing me to do something where I could have a steady future, be a doctor, be an engineer, something with a real steady, high paying income, right? right? Being an entrepreneur wasn't something that people really pushed you to do in the eighties or nineties. In fact, being an entrepreneur was like, okay, you can do that. And then what are you going to do uh, after that doesn't work? <laughs> right. Right. So there weren't very many successful entrepreneur stories. I, I feel like at that time, it was just like, you need to go to college. And then after college, you need to go for another four years and become a lawyer or a doctor, something that is going to help you live a nice, rich future. So I was taking all these science classes and I went to Florida state for a couple of years, partied too much. And I realized I wasn't going to be able to do much there. So I transferred to university of California in Santa Barbara went back into like these science classes and everything. But then senior year, I decided that just wasn't the path for me. I hated being in a lab and against everything that my parents had <laughs> paid for and worked me toward uh, getting as far as like a, some kind of a, a set future, I decided I wanted to become an actor. So I changed my major senior year, dramatic arts, took a bunch of acting classes and then moved to New York City to follow that passion as an actor. Wow. And I, we still haven't gotten to the hair part yet, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like all of this is really important to know because it, it I, it's not something that I was born to do. It's not something that I just was braiding hair from a child. It, hair, my mom parted my hair until probably college. You know, I, I just didn't really know much about hair or hey, Ryan, did you myself. Find, did you find any way. success in acting? Like when you went to New York, I did before? a few, I did a few things. There's one movie that. I did. And I had a, I played a bully, actually, a high school bully. And of course, I was 23 at the time. But right. I played like this 15 year old bully or something at this high school. It's called Dorian Blues. Uh, it, it's funny because it actually was a pretty cool movie, really well done. And it was about this 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 um, high school kid that was coming out. So it, it's funny how it's actually a celebrated movie in the gay community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but in my agent at the time, he 
he gave me the he gave me the the sides and he says here i want you to audition for this part he wanted me to audition for the part of the of the the gay um high schooler right so i went in there and and i've always been kind of like artistic yeah but not really a little bit rough around the edges uh, mm-hmm. not very um God, how do i say this and not sound <laughs> terrible but um just just more macho more 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 um like i don't think i could come across as be that sympathetic gay uh star that they were looking for right so right. i ripped the sides for them and they're just like yeah no i just i don't i don't see it and thankfully the director was actually a really nice guy uh, and he's just like you know what but i want you to read this part here and see what see if this resonates so he gave me the 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 part of um the bully that I, the bullies the the, right. the gay high schooler right and and uh, apparently I nailed it. <laughs> so he's like, so he's like, here you go. You got the part. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. I didn't really get paid much for that, but I got a DVD. So I'm like, all right, I'm on a DVD. And I'm on, if you go to imdb.com, you can find me there under my stage name, which is Ryan Garrett. <laughs> yeah. I thought, cause that was at the, the time of all the boy bands and everything. So I'm like, Ryan Garrett just sounds like a boy band name. Garrett's my middle name. Ryan, no, Ryan didn't have that same resonance. <laughs> It's like Ryan, Ryan Garrett. Now it's Ryan the bully. Yeah. Now it's Ryan the bully. Apparently I scared the director's kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that was a fun experience. I did a couple of stupid commercials here and there, but most of the time I was just waiting tables, bartending, skipping between jobs, auditioning as much as I could. But I mean, it's cutthroat and it didn't help that I wasn't a very good actor because I just didn't have that much experience. I couldn't dance. And I couldn't sing. So I wasn't much of a threat. <laughs> <laughs> so on your senior year of college, were you able to finish and get your degree? Yeah, apparently you don't need to go to school that long to get a drama degree. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I think I had to stay for an extra semester. It wasn't like a master's of arts or anything like that. It was just the dramatic arts. I just wanted to get out of college and start pursuing my dream of that. So overall, I'm really glad I did it. Uh, the game-changing moment well, two game-changing moments. One, I was running out of money in New York right. City. And then the second game-changing moment was September 11th. And I was there during September 11th. I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, on the opposite side of the cityscape, right on the coast there, right on the water of the East River there. And my roommate that was moving out that morning, we just didn't get along. And she found a new job in the city, and she was moving out that day. And I was having breakfast and she rushed in and opened the door, you know, cause she'd been moving stuff all morning and she looked like she had just seen a ghost. And she said, Ryan, I just saw a plane hit the world trade center. And I said, I'm sorry, what? She's like, go to the roof. So we were on the third story of a three story building. We went up to the roof and sure enough, at that point, both towers were smoking and we were just, it just was, we just had fear and panic just filling us up. And then what we just, um, I grabbed a camera. I went with to the Bay of the East, uh, right to the um, the shore of the East River. And we're just watching it all. It's almost like watching a silent, scary film. A bunch of people just started uh, filling up in that area. And then sure enough, we watched the towers collapse. And this were your, were your mom and your parents, were they like scared? Were they trying to get a hold of you? Actually, no, because <laughs> they knew I they knew I lived in Brooklyn. They knew I had no no business being around Wall Street. <laughs> they're, they're like, you're never around there. I'm like, well, geez, okay, you don't have any worries at all. But like, you know, I could have just been like having coffee there or something. But 
you know, I was, I was trying to call them for like an hour and a half. And then I finally reached and they didn't seem quite as shocked. I'm like, well, I guess it was a different scenario for me actually watching it happen than them knowing that I was in a very different area. But, um, but yeah, that still shocks me. I'm like, you didn't really care <laughs> that much. <laughs> or maybe it was just their way of dealing with it. Like, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. You know, so they don't worry right. about it. Um, but that happened. And then I started to rethink what I was doing, rethink my future. And I started to look around at some of my older friends because I was in my mid twenties at that time. And I was looking at some friend, maybe early twenties, mid twenties. I was looking at some of my friends that were quite a bit older in you know, 30, 40, a lot of actors just pool together. They hang out together because they're all kind of doing the same thing and you build these friendships. But I had friends that were forties doing the same thing I was doing and they were eking by job to job, paycheck to paycheck, bartending, waiting tables, whatever they could to pay the rent and rent in New York city is not cheap. Right. So I, um, I just decided I, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to live my life as a starving artist. I don't love acting so much that I'm willing to do it for free forever. I want to have a future. I want to have a family and this is just not my path. So I ended up packing up my stuff and moving back East. My parents were living in Las Vegas at the time. So I just crashed there for six months uh, until I could figure things out. And then I ended up deciding, you know what? I ended up getting stoned one night and I'm like, <laughs> let's, let's rethink my life. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to school. So I decided to go to city college at Santa Barbara and start, maybe I'll be a physical therapist or something, starting to go back to that. It's like, I just kept this whole circle of like, I want to be an entrepreneur, an artist. That's not work. And I want to go back and do something that has more of a, a set future. And no, I don't want to do that anymore. And then I just kept having to like kick myself in the butt. Um, I went back to school, started taking all these cadaver classes. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is no, I can't do this. And I just don't have a science brain. I just couldn't retain the information. I feel like some people just can't, no matter how hard I studied, I just couldn't figure it out. And I'm not, um, I'm not an idiot. Like I, I did okay, but it took me so much studying to just get like a B minus. And I'm like, this is just not what I feel like I want to do. I don't want to be in a lab. So um, I ended up meeting a, a girl there in, in my studies and she, her mom was a hairdresser. Here we go. We're getting to the hair part now. Her mom, <laughs> her mom was a hairdresser up in the, uh, up in the uh, San Francisco area, the East Bay there. And uh, she, she saw me one day and she saw that I was like searching. I'm just trying to find purpose in my life. But she also saw that I wanted to, I'm a self-starter and that I have this artistic side of me. And she said, Ryan, have you ever thought about doing hair? And I said, no. <laughs> she said, there, you know what? She said, males can do really well in this business. <laughs> and I'm like, really? The hair business? I'm like, I never really thought about that. I better start styling my own hair then, I guess. Right, exactly. Right. Mom, hey, can you, can you work this? Can you do this? Yeah. <laughs> I got school pictures coming up. Can you, can you just fix this a little bit? And, and then um, I said, wow, you know, I guess I could check it out. Why not? I'm not really doing anything else. And I decided to sign up for hair school. It was through the community college there. They had a pretty reputable program and it was a pretty cheap program too. And I got a scholarship for it and not a scholarship, but I, I, a grant for it, um, like a loan and I had to pay it back. And then uh, I just, jumped in on the first day. I was, I was excited for something new. I love trying new things to see if it's a good fit. And right. if it is, then I'll pursue it. If it's not, I'll change my mind and try something else. I've never been afraid to do that. So first day of school, I show up as myself, one other guy and like 
50 girls. Yeah. All the girls are staring at me and they're just like, Ooh, <laughs> who's, who's this hot ticket coming in here right now. Right. And, and then I look at the other guy, I'm like, there could be something to this, <laughs> but then, but then I actually got into the, the, the skills of, of doing hair and I really, really like the creativity of it, but also the technical aspect of it too. I loved it, just developing this new skill set, and you know, learning how how to cut hair and why what angles and why they're important, and creating art, but also having some kind of a that that bit of science mind that I I, I had just a little bit. Right. It was like the perfect synergy for the both right and left brain for me. That's so well said, you know, I mean, and it's funny too, like over the years, you know, certainly the hairdressers that I've worked with, some of them are like super creative and, and, and on the creative side of the brain. And then some of them are super technical. Some of them are like, you know, you, oh, oh, they, they, their formula is always equals the same. Right. And like, and, 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 and it's neat when you kind of like, you kind of get both, you know, you kind of get that, 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 that exact and that creativity, you know? So when you got out of school, did you go back working for the your friend's mom? No, I didn't. I, I, um, I knew that I wanted to start working right away. I was a little bit older. I mentioned a couple of times, and I, I knew that there were assistant programs out there, and I didn't want to do one because I, I didn't want to spend two or three years of my life assisting somebody when I'm like, I need to start making money now. I'm getting older. I've already had these failed careers that I've tried, you know, the acting and other things that I did. Uh, can't even remember. I've just tried everything. I feel like, and I'm like, I need money. I want to get into a high end salon. What's the fastest way I can do that? So I, I really um, figured out a, a system that I thought was going to be great, and it actually turned out to be great. I decided to jump into supercuts because if I got my hands in hair as soon as possible, the more confident I can feel going into an interview at a high end salon, having had some experience. Even though I would be cutting mostly men's hair. It's still the experience of being with people. It's still the experience of solving problems and challenges and just getting comfortable with my own hands behind the chair. And the more you can do that, whether it's men, women, the more, the more you're going to be prepared for, for an interview, for uh, putting your best foot forward in, in, in uh, a new opportunity. So, so after four months of that, I was like, after, you know, cutting 25 people's hair a day or something crazy. I had band-aids on every single finger because I'm just, you know, going past the second knuckle. And everybody at that time wanted the same haircut. They wanted like, a, you know, number one on the side and then finger length on the top. So I'm just point cutting like this, really like <laughs> dodging fingers left and right. And, uh, and of course, at Supercuts at that time, I don't know how it is now, but they charge you, uh, sorry, they um, pay you based on the number of haircuts you can get done in an hour. <laughs> so the more haircuts you can get done in an hour, the more you make. So of course, being somebody that was really uh, money driven to, to, to enrich my life, I, um, I, I cut a lot of fingers. I cut a lot of my <laughs> fingers because I'm like, I got to get some more haircuts done this hour. But then after I felt like I had enough experience behind the chair, there was this really beautiful high-end salon nearby that I wanted to go work at. And I went in there and I just, you know, people say not to fake it until you make it, but I, you know, kind of faked it a little bit. And I said, I've been doing hair for a while. I've, I, um, I've been working at a salon. I, I can't remember if I lied about working at a salon or, or what, not that you should, should lie. I don't take that from this, but I was just, <laughs> I was just ready to 
start working here. And I knew this was the place. And I've always been somebody to show up really well for interviews. And um, I had an interview and brought in a female friend, cut her hair. Apparently, I did well enough. And there was a need for somebody like me at that salon that he's like, you're hired. And the next day, I started cutting hair for $65 a head. Wow. What a jump. Because what were you charging at? What were you charging at, at, at the other place? I think it was about fifteen dollars, unless they had a coupon, and the coupons would make it like nine or something like that. Holy cow! So you were rich. One haircut, yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, the funny thing is about the supercuts uh, experience was that I had people lining up around the building to get cuts with me. Like that's how serious I was, and that's how good I was getting because I was so focused on training, focused on getting better. That I was the only person that I knew at a supercuts or at this particular supercuts that had people that would wait for me as opposed to just getting a haircut by the next available person. Did any of them follow you over? Yes. Some did actually wow. not, not many, but some did just because they were used to getting a certain haircut and they knew that it could be kind of a crapshoot because a lot of people that go to, uh, that work at supercuts, they might not ha- uh, have years of training. It, it is a, it is a jumping off point for a lot of people. Sure. There are people that have been there for years and years and that's great. But, um, if you're just going there and you're just taking a chance on somebody, chances are they might be, uh, not have all that years of experience behind them. Yeah, we had a uh, an assistant who uh, would work there uh, half the time and assist us a half the time, and then uh, by the time she was ready uh, for the floor, she was she was hardcore. She was she was bomb. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it too, right? Yeah, hmm. yeah, to kind of kind of do both. So when you were at the new salon, did, is that is that when you're uh, when you started to uh, improve your color game? Actually, I was just cutting hair. I didn't color hair at all. I saw the colorists there split into colorists and, and cutters, which I know some salons do and some people do as specialty. So I didn't actually start doing hair color until um, about five years later. So I, I started working at this salon about 2004. Uh-huh. And, I, and I got so into cutting. I wanted to do color because I saw all the money that was being made by all these colorists. But I just wasn't skilled in and coloring and they weren't going to train me at that point. They might train me slowly, but they already had their set system where I was taking clients from the colorist because they just colored hair. And then I would cut those, um, the, the hair, I was going to say colored clients, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And especially not today, I don't want to say that, but, um, but, but you know what, but you know what I'm saying? Like they would finish their service and they'd come sure. over, I get them a haircut. Um, and, uh, that's how that, that went. And I just, I wanted to do color, but I never did. I did it of course, out of my kitchen with some, friends or people that I met in other groups or teams or organizations, whatever I was doing on, right. on the side, I would do that at home and practice, but I didn't actually start coloring hair until about 2009. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you, so yeah. did you, um, did you have to leave that salon in order to do it? I left that salon in 2007 because I, I met a, I met a girl in Texas and she, she wasn't a Texas girl. Actually, she was from, uh, where was she from Slovakia and she had this accent and everything. And she kind of like stole my heart and we, we fell head over heels for each other. Um, it, it was more of like a, a lust situation, you know, um, my wife hates when I tell the story, so hopefully she won't listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up just like uprooting my life there at the salon to go and be in Texas with her. And it uh, didn't work out. It wasn't great. Uh, but, but at that point, the good thing I, that did come out of that is that I was, working for Tony and Guy. And that's a, obviously we, great. Tony and Guy, a very reputable sure. company. I really 
I had some training early on uh, from Tony and Guy, but I just loved how technical they were, but also how loose they were at the same time with could be like really technical with the partings and the sectionings, but then you can point cut and do all this fun stuff to really add a lot of flavor to the results. I really like that. And I've used a lot of their systems when I am developing my balayage techniques, because I feel like balayage in general can be very loosely done. But what's game changing and what we try to implore with our masters of balayage training is to systematically balayage in a, in a Tony and Guy kind of a way. So I, I was working there, Tony and Guy, but then I just really wasn't making that much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, and were honestly, you working I, at a Tony and Guy salon or were you working at like, at, at like the headquarters or corporate headquarters? Aren't they in Dallas or something? Headquarters is in Dallas. Yeah, I think it's, um, what's the name of that place? Uh, I can't remember the actual city that it's in, but part of, part of Dallas. Yeah. And uh, I was working at one of the Tony and Guy salons. It was just all Tony and Guy salon, just one of their offshoot salons, but part of the whole. Um, it was funny because in Texas, they're all in malls. <laughs> all, like all the salons, most of the salons are like in malls. So you go into a mall and of course you got the mall walkers and everything in the morning and they're just pacing around and doing their thing. And I'm going to work and just first time, you know, I, I worked in a mall and for like a reputable salon, but that's just the way it is in, in certain parts of the country. I know not everything's open air, like California is here. I'm used right. to now. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that. I wasn't going to have that future that I wanted if I was going to work there. I wasn't making enough money. I didn't see a future, even though I started to get into doing some stage things with them. I just didn't, it just wasn't, didn't feel right. And then it didn't help that the relationship I was in, um, there was a moment where she said that being a hairdresser isn't good enough for her. And I believed her and I ended up quitting hair because of it, because I just didn't see a future in doing hair. So in 2000. 2008, I, I actually quit hair. I quit the business, got a corporate job, man up, you know, me, just this whole ping pong effect of like trying to go the artistic way, make things happen. It was not working out. I'm like, I got to try something else. So I had this terrible job. And if you've seen the movie Office Space, it was very, very similar to that. It was, I'd wake up in the morning when it was dark, I would get in my car, sit in traffic for an hour and a half to get to this tiny little cubicle where everything smells like Windex and cake because it's somebody's birthday every single day. <laughs> it's colder than, than heck. And I've got a little space heater at my feet and blanket on my legs. And it was just meeting after meeting. I was making more money and I had a salary, but I was not happy. I was miserable. And my relationship ended up failing after all. Uh, and then I ended up getting fired from the job because I just wasn't in it, didn't feel it. And I moved back to California and um, started to rethink my life. And at that point, I got into real estate. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I'm just jumping around here. Yeah, right. So I got into real estate. I was a terrible, terrible um, real estate agent. But there is something funny that I did. I was trying to read. And I was looking at this on YouTube the other day. And this, if you want to you laugh a little bit, you want to see one of my earliest videos, go into YouTube and type in the real estate weatherman. The real estate, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it yesterday. Oh, yeah, because I had this whole thing like Ryan knows real estate. I'm going to be, you know what? I'm going to be the real estate weatherman. Because again, I wanted to be in front of the camera. And I was just trying to find out which which career that was going to allow me to do that. And I, it was just like that way I could satisfy this urge to be an actor and right. be bigger than myself and, and just have that 
goofy side of, uh, of my personality come out. So I, I was just trying to do some different things with the marketing. I just saw that a lot of real estate agents don't make that much money. They just go from happy hour to happy hour and they're calling it networking. <laughs> and they're all, <laughs> I'm like, no, you're just, you're just a drunk. <laughs> it's not, that's not how you sell houses. You actually have to talk to homeowners, not other real estate agents. You know? So I didn't like that whole thing. But in that part of my life, I, I met somebody who became my mentor, somebody that actually saw, saw me for who I am. And he saw that I had this purpose, this fire inside me that was just dimly lit. It was like the, that little pilot light that it's like, he's, he's almost, he's losing it. Like he just, he's losing his drive for life. And he took it upon himself to become a mentor to me and uh, myself, a mentee to him. And together we, we, we tried, uh, we worked together and we started to, he, he introduced me to the world of online marketing. He introduced me to the world of, of um, like self-improvement. And uh, I, I had already listened to like Tony Robbins for years, but new people like Brendan Burchard, people that were reshaping the landscape of online business. And that's what really got me into that. And we tried to create this digital product for real estate agents. And we sold some and did okay and survived it, on it for a while, but realized that we were, we were offering too much and it was too expensive and we were starting to get refunds and things like this. But the seed was planted. I knew that I wanted to do something not only in front of the camera, but online. I just didn't know how to do it. And then the whole real estate thing fizzled out. And I decided, you know what? I love doing hair. I really had a good time doing that. I'm going to get back into hair with my eyes wide open now with a bigger picture in mind. So mm, I, I love that. I, I figured it out. Like I, I was again in a, a new city back in San Diego, in San Diego at this time, not a new city, but in San Diego at this time. Um, and I didn't have any clients. I had maybe five clients. So I was starting from absolute scratch. I hadn't even picked up a color brush in like, you know, I mean, maybe once a week or something for the last three years just to make a little bit extra money. Right. Um, I, I also left out another big point at that time at the failed time of the relationship digital product and I wasn't selling enough houses and all that, all that crap. I, I needed, um, I needed to figure out something financially because I was out of money. So I ended up declaring bankruptcy, full on bankruptcy. I was recycling cans for money. <laughs> I, I, I was making like $40 a week from recycling. And that was, that was actually pretty good. There was like, that was a car full of cans too. I had to, um, I was living on my brother's couch. My brother threw these like rager parties on the weekend and you know, lots and lots of beer pong, lots of yeah, beer right. pong going on. I'd be the one waking up in the morning and collecting all those kids. <laughs> wow. I got, and I, and I actually started, it was so funny because this whole entrepreneurial mindset of mine, even when I'm at the depths of depravity, I'm like, I need to find a way to do more with what I'm doing now. So I had all these cans lined up like, this is for the brown glass, this is for the green glass, this is for this. And I had all this, this whole system designed for these after the, after the parties because we were at the beach and he was just throwing these parties all the time. And I'm like, I'm going to figure out a way to do this. I had a can crushing system and everything like that. And, and um, you know, I, I did the best I could with, with what I had. Right. But um, I was able to eke by for a while and until I got back into hair and started renting a chair and with about which is a new purpose and new energy and uh, just hit the ground running. Did you connect with anybody in the hair industry when you, when you came back that, that maybe helped give you some clarity or where you wanted to go, or did you just, just jumped in, you know, 100% and just gave it your all. 
I just, I just did that. I just jumped in 100%. I didn't know anybody in the hair industry anymore. Not anybody in San Diego. I didn't right. know any real big names that could serve to help me. I went into it with a, with purpose and meaning from a completely different industry, from online marketing. <laughs> and, and then this, I just decided that, you know what? I want to be one of those success stories. I'm going to find a way to do it. And I, I hit the ground running. And by that, I mean, I, there, was, there was no uh, shortage of me going out. There, I wasn't sitting around ever on a stool waiting for clients to come in. I would walk up to people on the street and say, hey, you want to, can I cut your hair? You've got amazing hair. Can I color your hair? If you like what I do, I would really appreciate you leaving me a, a positive recommendation on Yelp. I knew how important Yelp was. And I knew that other people in other businesses didn't focus so much on Yelp at that time. It was just a byproduct of successful business where every now and then they right. get somebody that would, you know, Yelp something nice. But I made it more like a sales job. And I'm like, if I reach out to every single contact in my phone book, anybody that I've ever touched their hair that can give me an honest review, I'm going to reach out to them. So I was sending emails. I was sending texts. I was contacting clients you were, from, I mean, you were in the from beauty there, school. Right? Yeah. yeah. I went even back to beauty school. I'm like, you know, hi, hi, um, Aunt Su- you know, Miss Susie or whatever it is yeah, uh, with her, with her curly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my white haired clients from beauty school. I'm like, Hi, do you know what a computer is? Hey, can you, um, <laughs> can you, would you please click this link and leave me something nice to say about my time with you at the salon and this and that. And, and, and I just would follow up with them if, if they said yes. I, if, cause happy clients don't typically rush to do it. You know, it's the ones right. that are really angry. They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to ruin this person's life today with a right. Yelp review. But it's those happy clients that say they will, they mean well, and they want to do it but they're happy. They don't think about it. They just think about, Oh yeah, yeah, 100% I will. And then they go off to their day because they're happy. Right. But they're the ones that take the reminding. They're the ones that take seven contacts sometimes over the course of six months before they sit in your chair and you're just like, Oh my God, I forgot. Here, hang on. Before we should get started, let me just do it right now. And they'll do it on the floor right in front of you. And you're done. You know, awesome. They're happy to do it. And, and of course the whole approach is not to be like, Yo, you said you're going to leave a review. Where's it at? Right. Right. It's more like, you know, hi, I really appreciate you. There's a lot of competition here. I'm really trying to grow my business. And um, I just love having you with a client, you know, be personal, be empathetic and, and just and really um, approach it that way. Wow. So when so what year was this? That was in 2012. That's awesome. So when about, did when, when did when did the mob start? Masters of Balayage. Mob started about five four years ago, two thousand sixteen. So not even that long ago, which is cool. Started about four years ago. I was working in a salon suite at the time, and I always knew that ever since I went to my first hair show, which was the ISSE show back in two thousand and three, while I was still in hair school, that I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be one of those guys with the flair jumping around, dancing around. And of course, the, I don't know if you remember the guys at the cheese stage. They were the ones that were just like the rock stars at that time. Like loud music blaring, long hair. And who are the just, guys, who you are can't the understand what were, they're saying. Who are the guys with Matrix that we saw early on? The Arturi brothers or the Arturi <laughs> brothers or yeah. something? Did, did, you ever, huh. did you ever see them? I don't remember that name um, offhand, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. Yeah, it was just a lot of like hair getting thrown. Well, I mean, come on, Tony and Guy, they used to throw hair around uh-huh. all the time on stage and stuff. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So and I thought that was so cool. So I, I said, one day I'm going to be on that stage. 
And um, when I got back into hair, even even for my entire hair career up until Masters of Balayage, I was trying to get on stage. I was like, who is going to give me that opportunity? And I wasn't just like sitting around waiting. I was contacting companies. What does it take to get on your stage? What does it take to get on your stage? What does it take to get on your stage? Uh, and, and I did a, a couple of stage things here and there um, for Tony and Guy, small stage things, not big hair shows. But these big companies, they require a lot of, there's a lot of red tape and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that are proving themselves before you or that have put in the time that are, are working for those opportunities. And for somebody that just started, they're not going to be like, okay, hey, you jump on there. Right. I mean, these days it's different with Instagram and, you know, popularity and everything. But there it was more about years of experience and commitment to a culture, which I totally understand. We, I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast a couple of times, like what, mm-hmm. what, a, what a lot of young hairdressers don't kind of hate saying that, but you know, the new, where we are now, how it's different than where we kind of grew up is that, you know, you had, you had eight stage spots for in the entire industry, you know, you had like whoever was leading it in with Wella or with, you know, Redkin or Tony and Guy or whatever, you know, you only have a couple spots on stage that were getting noticed. And there was so much fighting to get into that, that position. I actually think that it, it was a lot cattier then it was a lot like there was a lot more stab stab you in the back kind of kind of kind of uh, attitude then and then what happened in like 2013 2014 with instagram is that it opened up it like the the entire industry blossomed and gave space for for everyone to get for a lot of people to get recognized totally agree 100 percent agree and after talking to some of these bigger brands and they're letting me know that that's great that you aspire to do that this is the way you get started you you start at level one here oh, and okay. then and then maybe a year later, later level two, and then maybe maybe ten years, fifteen years from now, there's a chance for you. <laughs> I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to wait till I'm fifty to get on stage and and satisfy that craving. And, and <laughs> I decided that you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to create my own company. I'm going to create my own stage. If nobody's going to give me that opportunity, nobody's going to give me that stage. It's time that I take the bulls by the horn and create my own stage. And that's when Masters of Balayage was born. I wanted to create a company that, that, that motivated me, that inspired me to live up to its name. And by being the first self-proclaimed master of balayage in my company, I'm like, I have some big shoes to fill if I'm going <laughs> to be a master here. And I was very good. But this just made me want to get that much better because if I was going to go in front of other stylists and teach them, I need to be fully committed to deliver masters of balayage work so there was i mean you know certainly 2014 2015 2016 there, there was there was a lot of like balayage um uh coaching and training emerging 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 mm-hmm. you know i mean you got lisa and then you know there's a few others that that were kind of you know coming up but that i guess my question is you know why why balayage and why not like a cutting technique or why balayage and not like another high what, what drove you that way I liked it. It was really what I, I, I just enjoyed. I just loved seeing that, that beachy growing out look. And of course I was the guy that would, when I was younger, that would um, go get the mail every day because the new Victoria's secret catalog was coming out (laughs) and they all had that hair. Right. So I'm just used to seeing this beautiful beachy hair. And I mean, that wasn't, you know, exactly what I was looking at all the time in those magazines, but that's just, I just love that, that flowy, beachy, blonde hair mm-hmm. that looks like, you know, they were just born with it. And of course they're not. <laughs> and then once I got into the salon, that is the look that I wanted to give other people because I just was obsessed with it. 
I love that. Yeah. So how, how did you sharpen your tool? I mean, you committed yourself. Did uh, I mean, how did you sharpen your tool? How to get good at balayage? Well, how did you become the master, right? Like, I mean, you said that you know you had to you had to fill your own big shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, you right. know, what was that process to fill your own big shoes? I had a lot of practice in the way I practiced because there wasn't a lot of training back then. You were saying a lot of training was starting back then, and that's true. But if you go to YouTube back then, there was like nothing. There was maybe three things. I think the only person that was actually doing balayage was Candy Shaw with uh, Sunlights, and uh-huh. and I think I, I went to behind the chair, bought some of her DVDs or, or, and, and watched some of those. They were, you know, at that time, very basic techniques, but then I wanted to like amp it up and practice. So I put ads on Craigslist for models, uh, you know, willing to take a chance with their hair. Right. And I just was lying in my books with that in my, my spare time and I uh, practiced and yeah, I, I definitely screwed up some hair, but I got better and better and better. And, and, you know, they were excited because they were getting free hair and a lot of them were just wanted something a little bit different. So I had fun and I took some practice, but again, it was just, I was, had to be obsessed with it. Dude, your, your, your hustle is admirable, man. It's Thank like, you. You're, you're, I mean, it seems like you're always on the grind and always in the hustle. And, and I, I, I certainly mean that as a compliment. Um, that's, it's impressive, man. It's impressive. Thank you. And after a long Thank work you. and you're like, you know what, I've got this other thing itching and I want to, I need to scratch it. Yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of a, it's not, it's a good thing and a bad thing because I'm constantly like haunted as well. It's like once I get bored with something, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I'm I like, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to do something different. And, yeah. and then that new thing is just going to continue to haunt me. <laughs> I certainly understand because, you know, until the podcast, um, you know, I was always searching for some kind of fulfillment or something. And, and I mean, the podcast has filled a lot of that. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, it's it's still, though, I mean, I still ebb and flow, you know, even even with the job, even with the family, even with the podcast, there's always stuff that I'm always like, like searching for. But, you know, I, I, it's just it, it's who I am. It's who and I'll speak for you, I guess. I mean, it's who we are. It's just it, mm-hmm. it, it's what motivates and drives us. And, and you're kind of the same way, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not if it's not the podcast, it's barbecuing or it's cooking or it's it's it's, you know, whatever, whatever you're into or with your, building an outdoor kitchen or. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There, there's always something. And mm-hmm. I think like. Certainly when, when I was younger, you know, being a, a dad and being a parent, that, that there was a lot of fulfillment there. Well, you know, once once you become an empty nester, in, in a sense, you know, now, you, now you're trying to fill that fill that void a little bit, too. Not that, you know, your kids growing out as a void necessarily, they're still in your life. But, but you know, you, it's, not as a, it's not as an active um, uh, uh, relationship as it once was. So, you know, I think you're trying to fill that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, that's fair enough, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was just spitballing, but yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) So, but I mean, just like anything, right? Practice makes perfect. So you practice, 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 practice until you became a master. The master. Exactly. Yeah. And I tried to make sure that my practice, I I heard somebody say, I can't remember who, but it's not just practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. Because if you're you're practicing, if you're practicing horribly and practicing the wrong habits, it's not going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. That was Cal Ripken Jr. Was it really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wise words, right? Junior or was Cal Ripken Sr.? But I, it, I, it, I'm pretty sure it definitely came from 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 the Ripken family. Yeah, wise, wise, wise family, wise words. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I, I, but you're right. I, I um, kind of mistaked it till I made it, and uh, mistaked it till I made failed, it. Failed, failed a lot more times than I succeeded. Failed all the time, and it was. 
but it makes that success that much sweeter, right? I mean, you have to fail. If you're afraid of failure, you're never going to succeed. Well, yeah, I mean, that. Uh, what, what, there's another quote there too, right? Like all success is built on a pile of failure. <laughs> <laughs> and if not i just quoted it i just i just <laughs> i like that yeah, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> in the future yeah uh that that cory gray yeah <laughs> <laughs> that podcast nobody listens to right <laughs> that guy <laughs> but, i mean that's i mean that's pretty impressive because you had a a goal and no matter how many times you failed you were going to achieve that goal and uh yeah like like cory said i'm gonna say it yeah, it's very very impressive bro Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. So when did you, so, okay, now like, you know, you're standing behind your chair, you're standing with a mannequin, you're you're mastering the actual technique, but then there's a whole nother level. Like, how do you sell it? Like, I know you had that background, but, but well, first off, did you know that this was going to be the thing that you're going to go to, um, you're going to do your online um, uh, company with? No, I did not know. It's something that I want I've thought about for years since listening to online marketing podcasts and, uh, videos and Brendan Burchard again was a big mentor of mine. Uh, having listened to him for years prior, uh, but I didn't know what part of what I was doing was going to be potentially an online membership site or or online business. I just knew that I wanted to be in front of people. I just knew that I was following my passion at that time, and it was giving me purpose. And I just was going to see where it went. Wow, were were you with your your wife at that time um i met her about when did i meet her yeah yes yes when i was creating masters of balayage i was um she actually was she was a horse trainer she was a horse trainer at that time and i was working in a salon suite and i was creating the business and um did of course didn't know where it was going to go i had to ask friends if they knew anybody that might want me to host a class. I think my first class had like four or five people in it. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually had to go in with a PowerPoint presentation to tell them why I was good enough to teach this class for them. And like at the time we had about three or 4,000 followers on masters of balayage, right. not, not, a, not a lot of social proof that I was going to teach them something of value. But do you think um, that was more in your head or do you think that that, or do you think that they really thought that? Or do you well, think I, that it was just like, you needed to, you needed to, you needed to prove yourself or not prove yourself, but you need to validate yourself that, that, that I'm the guy. Do you think that was more in your head or, or like a little I think bit it was of imposter syndrome? A little bit of both. Yeah. Because I'd never done anything like that before. I'd wanted to, and I dreamt about it, but when you actually get in front of somebody for the first time to class and everybody's watching you and you've never taught a class before, you don't know how it's going to go. You don't have any experience or any wisdom from previous classes about what to expect then, then yeah, you are kind of like an imposter. You kind of have to fake it a little bit until you actually make it, you know, mm-hmm. but you have to put yourself out there to make that possible and to get better and to get more experience and more comfortable. That's, that, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, just, I mean, but you, you're the it's king gutsy. of the hustle, man. I yeah, mean, it's, 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 gutsy. Not, it's like, <laughs> you know, every, everybody has like, you know, stage fright or, you know what I mean? Speaking in front of people and then you're here, you are, you know, putting yourself out there teaching uh, a class in front of people that you've never done before. I mean, it takes a lot of courage because not everybody has that. Well, I, I mean, funny thing is I used to be afraid to get in front of people for most of my life, even on stage when I was an actor, I was a terrible actor because I was, I was afraid. I was trying to put, I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I don't mean like 
um, I was trying to, I wasn't owning up to my own quirkiness, my own, my own self. I, I didn't find myself really until recently in the last few years. And I'm still getting more and more comfortable with who I am and putting that onto the world, regardless of what people think about it. Um, uh, so I feel like, yeah, it's just, you, it is, a, it is, it takes a lot of courage. Um, and it's about transforming that fear into positive energy because fear of course is negative energy, but it's, it's comes from the same place. Fear and courage come from the same place. So uh, there's a quote that I really like from years and years and years ago. I don't know who said it or where it came from. Corey, on the side of like a church, it. Corey said it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but courage is fear that has been tamed. And that has just stuck with me that I have a choice every time I get on a stage or in front of people or show up even for a podcast that I might be nervous about. Um, I, do I want to let fear overtake me or am I going to transform that energy into something positive and be courageous about it? All right. I'm going to say it again because we say it seems like every podcast, but, but it just seems so true in our industry. The great, the great uh, Jen Plank has the greatest quote that, that I, I'll say literally changed our, my life, certainly. And her quote is that um, your conversation isn't for everybody, but it's for somebody. So go find your somebody. You know, and that that that, that quote's that. been great. I mean, um, whenever I'm on stage, that's literally what I think about as I step on stage. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. all right, well, let's go find somebody. Well, that's what I'm using, kind of I'm using those types of that that wise word. Those wise words. My gosh, I can't talk right now. Um, that that really is what I bring to my podcast. It's not about like what do I think other people want to hear. It's about what do I want to talk about. What's going to fill my soul with the people that I'm interviewing or that I'm talking about. I'm not trying to do this for, I, I am doing it for other people, but I want it to mean something to me too, because if it doesn't mean something to me, it's not going to translate for other people. How to convey the val value, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. So Ryan, where, um, where can people find you? Where can they find the mob studio? Where, 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 where? Tell it, tell it, tell us, tell us. Well, I'm not going to tell you where to find the mob studio because it's in my house. <laughs> it's behind my house. Yeah, we have a studio here, which, which is great. I just walk to the backyard for, for work every day. So you can find me on Instagram at ryan.weeden. Uh, you can find Masters of Balayage on Instagram as well, at Masters of Balayage or uh, mastersofbalayage.com is another one. Uh, my newest venture is my own website, which you can find more information about my podcast, which is called The Hairpreneur Show. But you can get all that information at um, ryanweeden.com awesome love it ryan dude thanks for uh thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your story and 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 you really got me with the 9-11 story man it's like it's like that, mm. that 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 got me that got me heavy i i appreciate that i i appreciate uh you sharing your story and and being vulnerable and you know kind of sharing your mistakes and failures and successes you know yep. but mr ryan whedon thank you very very much for joining us on your Thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, 
That's cool. I think you can find. Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>